Oh, good morning. Good morning. We are so glad that you're here with us this morning. I just want to plug one thing again. Uh, the People Helping People's Family, if you go to our Facebook page, it is pinned to the top of the page. It is uh, the very uh, top thing. There's a sign-up sheet. We use Sign Up Genius. You can go in there and put your name down and say what it is that you'll be getting uh, for these individuals. We had a shorter amount of time this year. It's just the way it kind of worked with people helping people that took us a while for them to get us our names. Uh, so if you're not able to go shopping between now and then, you would like to give a monetary donation, uh, then by all means, please do that as well. Uh, we should be uh, okay if, if that doesn't happen because like I said, or Caitlin said, we do have some missions money. So we will be taking care of these families from our missions fund if you're not able to give. But if you are, then we want to give you that opportunity. I also want to go ahead and take a minute just to plug our Christmas Eve service. Uh, if you didn't know, that happens on December 24th. That's the, the eve before Christmas. It'll be from 5.30 to 6.30. This is my favorite service of the year. It has been my favorite service of the year every year since we started doing it, and I promise you that you will not regret coming. Uh, we do a candle lighting at the end, and uh, it's just a really great time of fellowship, a great time to focus on God and what He's done for us as we start to approach a new year and we, we go to celebrate Christmas with our families. Throughout this series, we're going to be talking about how we see the gospel in the Christmas story. And last week, we talked about hope, the hope that came with Jesus coming, a hope that was prophesied about in Isaiah, a hope that was realized at Jesus' birth, and a hope that will exist until his second coming, uh, which can be realized by each of us at the time of uh, our death. Um, my hope is for you to see that we are justified in placing our hope in Jesus. I'm getting a really serious ring up here. Can you hear that? Because it's about to give me a migraine. Okay, just checking. We got one amen. That's the most amens I've had in weeks. So somebody else is hearing the ringing and they too are having a headache. Now, my hope, like I said, is for you to see that you are justified in placing your hope in Jesus. Today, we discuss the fruit of that hope, what we experience from that hope, and that is love. And we're going to be in the Old Testament again today to start. This time, we're going to be in Ezekiel. And in Ezekiel, the passage that we'll be in, we see another message of hope and restoration for the people of Israel. This promise comes in a time of absolute despair. They are in captivity. Uh, and when everything that possibly can go wrong for them has gone wrong for them. In Jerusalem, it actually has fallen in this instance. So uh, they're just not in a, a, a good place. And, and they're in this Babylonian captivity. And so the first 33 chapters of Ezekiel are doom and gloom and judgment. But then something changes in chapter 34. Chapters 34 through 37 are often referred to as the gospel of Ezekiel. 34 begins with God speaking out against the current leadership. He refers to them as shepherds, but he chastises them for being self-serving. In 34, 3 through 4, it says, You eat the curds, clothe yourselves with the wool, and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. It's a really beautiful, although disturbing picture of what's happening for the people of Israel. God perfectly paints their current scenario, their current situation. 
their reason that they may not have hope and how they are not experiencing love. But then he gets to verse 16 where he offers an alternative. It says, I will search, I, okay, this is God speaking of himself. So he's the alternative. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. So he tells the people, these people who have been taking advantage of you, these shepherds who are currently ruling, who have ruled you brutally and harshly, who have taken the choice for themselves, who have taken the best of the best for themselves while you lay in waste, while you do not have enough, while you're not being taken care of, I will destroy them. But you, you I will shepherd justly. You I will bring justice to. You I will strengthen. You I will find. It's the complete opposite of what happens in the previous verses. You see, God will be the perfect alternative to these wicked, self-serving, supposed shepherds. What does this tell us about hope and love? What can we derive from this? What can we take away? Well, everything that we place our hope in fails to love us. That's not the Lord, right? But the Lord in who we place our hope loves us perfectly. So you have this nation of Israel, these people who are in captivity, these people who have just seen the the capital of their homeland fall, who have seen their people be destroyed. They've placed their hope in these earthly men. They've placed their hope in these earthly things, looking for restoration, looking to be loved, looking for, for salvation, and it's failed to love them. But here they place their hope in God. And we see that God will love them perfectly. He will shepherd them as they crave. He will be to them what a leader is supposed to be. God will be the ruler of his people. And then we get something very, very interesting in verse 23. Verse 23, after he says that I, after God claims that I will shepherd my people, I will bring them back, I will heal them, I will restore them, I will take care of the justice. Then in verse 23, he says, I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend them. He will tend them and he will be their shepherd. Now, what does God mean by that verse? This is where I think scripture gets really cool. This is where I nerd out just a little bit, right? Because David at this point, if you didn't know, is dead. David is no more. David is gone. So, He could mean that David will one day be resurrected and he will lead his people Israel once more. And there are some biblical scholars who say, we think that that's the path. I'm not in that line. There's a other group, large, just as justified, that says that what God is talking about in this moment is a descendant of David. And from the line of David, a descendant of David will come a shepherd who he will give the people who will become their leader, who will tend to them and who will guide and direct their paths and their steps. Both God and David's descendant will shepherd his people. But who better to shepherd God's people than God with us? 
There will be a baby. He will be born. Born. He will be placed in a manger, and they will call him Emmanuel, God with us, who just happens to be from the line of David. Here we see in Ezekiel 34, verse 23, God once again promised the Messiah. Once again, show his people that Jesus is on the way. Who better to shepherd his people than Jesus? No one. Because he is God with us. So now let's look at Luke chapter 1, verses 32 through 33. And it says that he will be great. He will be called son of the most high. This is Jesus. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. I want to show you Jesus' position on the matter, right? So this is being said about Jesus, but I want you to hear what Jesus says about this situation himself. In John 10, verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. Me. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That's why I'm in the party, the camp that thinks that this verse in Ezekiel is talking about Jesus because this is how Jesus chooses to refer to himself. I am the good shepherd. I am the promised shepherd. I am the one that you are looking for. I will lay down my life for the sheep. But what does that even mean? What does that even mean? What does it mean to, to lay down your life for the sheep? Well, let's look at his words in John 15, 13. He says, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for his friends. Then he follows it up in verse 14. You are my friends if you do what I command. If you place your hope in God, if you follow my ways, if you obey my word, you are my friends. You are my friends. And there is no greater love than this, but to lay down your life for your friends. And he is the good shepherd who will lay down his life for the sheep. What we see here, what we see happening in Scripture is what we refer to as the golden thread. It's weaved all throughout. One just points to the other, which points to the next, which points to the next. The fruit of hope is love. And those who put their hope in God get to experience the love of Christ. Because we cannot forget the reason that Christ came in the first place. Christ came so that you might realize hope and experience love. That you might be justified in placing your hope in him. John 3.16, if you know a Bible verse, this is probably it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God promises a shepherd, a real shepherd, someone who will lead his people in the right way, someone who will not lead them astray. And all his people have to do is place their hope in this good shepherd. But as we talked about last week, so often we place our hope in different things. Things will just get better if I could get this job. Things would get 
better if my wife and I could just stop fighting. Things would, would get better if, if my friendships would strengthen. Things would get better if, if I could just make more money. Things would, would get better if I could just this, that, and the other. And all of these things are temporary. They get better until they don't. But here we have this eternal Lamb of God, this shepherd sent by our Heavenly Father who has our best interest at heart. One who will bring healing and guidance and salvation. This is the gospel of Christmas. That, that, that God would send his son to an earth that did not love him, to an earth that was bound to reject him, to an earth that could never possibly understand the way that he loved them. And yet Christ promised all the same to be that promised shepherd, to lead his people, to pursue after his people, to leave the 99 if he had to, to chase the one, and to lay down his life for his sheep. I love the movie, The Patriot. I mean, take away the fact that Mel Gibson's a little rough around the edges. I love the movie, The Patriot. And my favorite scene in The Patriot is where they're going from town to town and they're trying to gather up a militia and they're trying to inspire the people to come and join their fight. And right before this group is about to leave out, up rides the town minister, right? He's on his horse, and one of the guys in the town is like, Reverend? And then he looks at him and he says, A shepherd must tend his flock and at times fight off the wolves. At times fight off the wolves. Well, Christ is here so that you might experience a love that no wolf can touch. Does that make sense? This world will bring you down if it can bring you down. It will. We live in a fallen world. We live in a sinful world full of sinful people of which we are. We are sinful people. The only thing that separates us from the rest of the world is the love of Christ. That's it. That's what inspires us to be better. That's what, what makes us continue to hope. That's why we do what we're going to talk about next week and place our faith in God and our faith in Jesus Christ. The only difference between us and them is that we recognize that a baby who was born in the lowliest of circumstances was sent by God, not to be exalted, but to be a servant to all mankind, to be a shepherd to the point that he would lay down his life for his friends, which is exactly what he did. He willingly went to the cross for his sheep. All this in order to transform his people. In Ezekiel 36, 26 through 28, God is talking to his people. 
And I bring this up because this is what happens when we place our faith in Jesus, when we turn our life over to Jesus, when we accept him as our personal Lord and Savior. And he tells his people, he says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. What God is saying here to these people is that when you place your hope and your trust in me, I will love you in such a way that I will change your mindset. See, the Greek word for heart is also mind. When you hear heart, you need to think innermost being. Our thought process that that God loves so much that he's willing to change your outlook on the way that you see this world. And will inspire within you a desire to follow his shepherding to follow his guidance. And he promises that if we do that, if we place our faith and our trust in him, if we follow his decrees, which he will give us the desire to do, if we make a concerted effort to be like God, to be like Christ, then we will have an inheritance that we can't possibly comprehend obtaining because you have to understand where these people are in this moment when they're hearing this message they are in captivity their homeland has fallen they have nothing but despair there is no hope but god but god and it's in this time that he's promising to give back to them everything that they have lost And that's why Christ came to this earth, to give you back what it is that you have lost. You see, because God's gift, God's original gift, his original intent was for us to be in the garden, okay? We should all be naked right now. I know some of y'all are glad that that is not the case, all right? But, But we should all be in perfect harmony with God. That was the design. That was the design. It was so that we might live and experience this relationship with God that was taken away from us because sin entered into this world. But when we place our hope and our faith and our trust in God, we get to experience a love that says, I'm going to give this back to you. My intention is to give this back to you. It'd be like someone gifting you a million dollars, you going gambling it all away and coming back and be like, I lost it all. And they're like, here's another million. Doesn't make sense. Not something we can easily comprehend because we put it like that. I'm not giving you a million, you idiot. I gave it to you once and you're a moron. Love that word, by the way. (laughs) I gave it to you once. You screwed things up. Here's another million. 
But when we commit to doing things God's way, he doesn't focus on what it is that we lost or what we did to lose it. Only how he might restore us into good standing with him once again. So my question for you today is, do you hope for better? Do you hope for better? Have you experienced God's love? Has everyone in your life, do they realize that that love is available to them? Hope has come. For God so loved the world. Let's pray. God, I come to you right now and I thank you for this day. I thank you for the message of hope and the gift of love that is provided to us through the way that you chose to spend your existence. And the Bible perfectly shows us that we are a loved people, even though we know we don't deserve it, even though we are covered in scrapes and bumps and bruises, even though we repeatedly turn our back on you, even though we've taken what you have given and we've ruined it, God, you are still there to restore us back to where we once were. And that is the gift of God. That is, that is experiencing Jesus Christ to be saved from the mess that we have made our lives. There's nothing we can do to earn it. There's nothing that we have done to deserve it. And yet we can still be justified in having this hope in you because you say it's so. You say it's so. And so we can hope. God, I pray, I pray for all of our people that we, in this season especially, hope and that we share the hope that we have with the world around us. There is hope for better. You are the agency for which change occurs. And it is your love that transforms a life that feels lost. May each and every one of us feel that love today, experience that love right now, and know that you are God and that Jesus was Emmanuel, God with us. We thank you for the truths that we see in the Bible. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you need to pray today, come do so. If there's somebody in your life that needs hope, come lift them up in prayer. Ashley, would you be available? Back? Ashley's going to be over here to the left. Uh, Grant, I need you. Grant's going to be over here to the right under this television. If you need to pray, both of these individuals love the Lord and they love people and they will pray with you. If you'd like to come pray with me, please do so. It's truly one of the greatest honors that I have in my life. If you have not experienced the hope or love of Jesus Christ, Today is that day.
Today is the day to say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I will turn things over to you. Yes, Lord, I believe. Yes, Lord, you are worthy of my hope. Yes, Lord, I know that you can change my circumstance. Today is the day. Do not hesitate. Do not wait another Sunday to do what you need to do today. Stand with us now. Let's worship. Let's worship. Why? Because he is worthy of our worship.